2: That sounded horrible, but welcome to another episode of, well, technically the first episode of Geeks Against the Grain. I am your host, Jawan, and we have a packed, packed house tonight for our episode, Geeks Against the Grain, titled Batman v. Superman. Uh, Just for anyone listening for the first time, Geeks Against the Grain, we will be taking movies that society loved that we hated, or movies we loved that society hated, in debating them. Great concept, I know. That's why we're amazing at Geek Nation. Now, without further ado, let me introduce our panel. Let's start with AJ. What's going on, AJ?
3: What's up? I'm here to protect Batman versus Superman, and I will win. Just saying. Hey, man,
2: I'm on your side, brother. I'm on your side. Um, Ryan, what's going on, Ryan?
4: Yo, what's popping? What's lead, ding-dong? I'm here to go against the Batman v. Shipman. Because you know it's not a good movie,
0: all
2: right, so I guess we're not holding on to uh our sides uh until so
4: we we jump into
2: it, but cool, all right, this is a great introduction for everyone. uh what's going on, Thea?
5: I'm doing well. I'm actually kind of here just to listen to Ryan absolutely destroy Batman versus <laughs> Superman
4: before. <laughs>
2: I'm assuming Tia wasn't fully honest. She's here to watch Ryan destroy it and sprinkle her bit ass like, hate on top of that.
4: Um,
2: (laughs) But we also have our newest member to the Geek Vibes Nation family, amazing contributor and content creator. Mike, what's going on, Mike?
6: What is up? I am here to talk about when a F movie gets made into a D minus because of a really good soundtrack.
2: Yes, amen to that. All right, on that note, let's jump right into it. I kind of want to start with AJ first because he supports it, and I kind of feel like I know where Ryan and Tia are leaning. No thanks for their introduction. Um, so, AJ, uh, I want to start with you. Tell us why Batman v. Superman was, in your opinion, a good movie.
3: Okay. First, I'm going to start off with Ben Affleck as Batman. He is... He is the most Batman out of everyone, out of Christian Bale, everybody. He is Batman, especially Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns iteration. Um, I love the character's motivation in this movie, at least for the first first half of it. And I'll get to that later. Um, let's see. Um, good Lord, I have all these notes mixed up. Uh, Everyone didn't like um, Ben um Affleck's casting because everybody loved Christian Bale and everybody wanted Christian Bale back. But after the movie, everybody, well, almost everybody loved Ben Affleck's Batman. I know Tia and Ryan are often don't really care for Ben Affleck, but overall he is the best Batman there is. Um, Much like Spider-Man's casting, um, each of the Batmans have their own positives and negatives, but like Tom Holland and Ben Affleck, they're basically perfect of their own iteration of Batman and Spider-Man. Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I love his nodding remarks. The great uh, one-liners. Let's see... Uh, just Jeremy Irons, um, what is it called? Oh, crap. Uh, dynamic between Batman and Wonder Woman. I think he just wrote well with everybody. Um, Dallas, Wonder Woman was badass, especially her theme. Um, love the scene with Bruce Wayne. I felt like that. Great chemistry. Um, much like Batman, the um, Netflix gal was also like disliked for the character as Wonder Woman until this movie came came out and everybody started to embrace her at least a little bit more, which I really liked. Um, she embraced her role as Wonder Woman, which some people thought she wouldn't be able to do, and I felt like that was a good good thing. Um, the cinematography. Um, shout out to Larry Fong, who also did Kong Skull Island, 300, and Watchmen. And I felt like he did everything that he um, that Zack Snyder wanted to portray for his um, iteration of Batman vs Superman. It felt like a comic coming straight out of his own page at times, and I loved it. Every shot, angle, movement—it um, felt Pleasing to the eye. I just everything from um, Larry Fong was just A plus in my book at least. Um, Batman and Superman, Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. I felt like each time they were together in on one screen, the scenes were tense. You can feel, you can feel that Batman hated, or disliked, um, Superman because. He didn't help to say me that we can go on to that later on. Um, Justin Eisenberg, I thought he was, I thought his acting was good. But the problem for me was that that's not his portrayal. His portrayal of Lex Luthor, was the problem. I like that Lex was like the mastermind of getting Batman to to Golden Fifth Man or still not going against at Nine i was I like that um, well, oh, so um Batman's Origin as the first thirty minutes of the film, I thought was amazing, except of having like the generic origin superhero movie as, as a whole. I like that they only took like time to put parts of it because every time we always did Batman's Origin, and I love how they just flowed it well with um first half of the story. Um, the score from Hans Zimmer, brilliant. Uh, Batman's perspective of Superman fighting Zod, I really like. That created a motivation for his hate towards Superman. Um, I also like the um, aspect, um that they put the fans didn't like Superman not protecting the city, even though he saved the entire planet. I never got that complaint. But I like how Zack Snyder put that out and told the audience what was going on. That will be it for me. So I'm protecting Batman versus Superman.
2: Yeah, I'll say the, the biggest thing that, that I took from from everything you were saying is the uh, the biggest thing that stood out with me was Finn was that no Batman. Uh, of course, not not uh, not mentioning Kevin Conroy because he's obviously animated. No live action Batman has been able to successfully uh, pull off Bruce Wayne and Batman uh, to where you believe both. Um, I thought Keaton was a good Bruce Wayne. His Batman just never really sold it to me. I thought Bale was a great uh <clears throat> excuse me was a great Bruce Wayne. His Batman from the size to the voice. The, the fighting, God, the fighting, uh, just never sold me. Uh, Clooney obviously was was the pretty boy, um, so that's why his Bruce Wayne was flawless, but his Batman was horrible. And then come on, bat credit card and bat like that. Come on, come on now. Um, ben was able to bring in a grizzly veteran uh, that we've never seen before, uh, which I was fine with, because uh, again, Zack Snyder created Ben's Batman after killing him. After a certain amount of movies, so that's why they kind of came came in the uh, the old angle, um, but it worked. It really did work. And then to see Batman fight like Batman in that warehouse scene was epic. It might be one of the greatest fight scenes in a comic book movie I've ever seen. Um, he had the gadgets that I've been dying to see. He had the you know the the martial arts that he didn't really need to use because he was just fighting just you know random thugs. Um, But it was brilliantly shot. It was beautiful. Um, I I think the biggest thing that this movie gets a lot of flack for is its story. And I can't necessarily argue that. But I won't get into my point because I don't want to take time from everyone else. Ryan, I will go to you. You do not have to address anything AJ said. I want you just to go into why you think Batman v. Superman was not a good movie.
4: Okay, so before I totally trash this movie, I want to give props where props is due. Hans Zimmer's score was amazing in this movie. I absolutely loved it, and it did add something to the movie that was awful to me. Second thing is, this is the only movie I liked Ben Affleck's Batman in, simply because of his belly type and not his fucking beer belly in Justice League. Remember that, Ben Affleck, remember that. But I do agree, his bad look was really good, and I did dig the Dark Knight look, and the Dark Knight Returns, I think it was. Yeah, the Dark Knight Returns look. So I dug that. I had no problems with any of the casting or any of that. It was pretty much just the story. So now, let's get into the bad. Where do I start? I know exactly where to start, where everyone else starts with this movie. Martha! Martha! Save Martha! Come on, man. You can't defend that scene. He doesn't want to kill Superman because his mother's name is Martha. The biggest coincidence in the world is because both their mothers are named Martha. And he cries like a little girl. I I don't believe it for a second. Second off, this movie is very odd where it wants to be. It wants to be The Dark Knight Returns and then wants to be the death of Superman at the same time. And I don't know why they decided to do these two storylines, because this, I think, yeah, this is the second time we've seen Superman in a DCU movie, or DCEU movie. Because other than this, it was just Man of Steel. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this was his second movie as Superman. Yeah, it was. And he only wanted to rush the Doomsday and Death of Superman plot out of left field. I guarantee you, if no one spoiled this movie for me, I would have been like, whoa, this movie took a huge left field. Because the first half, first and second half, I should say, is about Batman wanting to kill Superman. Then all of a sudden, Lex Luthor comes out of nowhere and creates this monster. And I'm just like, dude, what are you guys doing? This movie's called Batman v Superman. Not Batman v. Superman, then Batman and Superman with Wonder Woman against Doomsday. That's not what the movie's called. It's called Batman v. Superman. And then when we get to the Batman v. Superman fight, it was a well-shot scene, and I did enjoy it. But it was like two minutes out of a two-hour and I want to say ten-minute movie or something like that. The, the title of the movie only played a whole two minutes in the entire movie. Because other than that, they had one confrontation, and that was Superman. Stopping Batman's car, and he was looking at him with that very grim look, like, "Do you bleed? Cause you will." Like, dude, wow, very intimidating. Wow, cool. Thanks for letting me know that I can bleed. Um, didn't didn't really really notice I I, I could can bleed, but thanks for letting me know that. I, thank you. I I deeply appreciate. It. But as I digress, I don't understand why they did the death of Superman so early. I thought that was a pretty much a, a pretty huge flaw. And I didn't understand it. And talking about understanding, I don't want to bring up Justice League, but they pretty much connect. If you guys remember, at the end of Batman v Superman, the very last scene or shot of the movie was Superman's coffin being shaken or whatever it was, where the dirt was coming off, hinting that he wasn't actually dead. Then we jumped to Justice League like seven months after his death, the guy is still dead, and they don't even bring – they bring him back. He's not alive. So what was the point of that end scene? Was it to say, oh, let's get you hyped for Justice League next year. It's going to be fantastic. I didn't understand. It. Did they have different plans instead of going with the regular movie? I think they did because of the whole Justice League trilogy. But from what I know, is the plan of him coming back was always the same way. Someone correct me if I'm wrong there again. But it honestly makes no sense. And another thing is Superman's love interest, Lois Lane. And I'm sorry for being all over the place. I'm not going in like a uh, sequence sort. I'm just all over the place. But another problem is Lois Lane. She's a damsel in distress the whole movie, again. At least in in, um, Man of Steel, she was somewhat cooperative and helpful. But in this movie, she was just used as a plot device for Superman. Because think about it this way. She went in for the Kryptonian spear, and then she gets stuck. So Superman has to go help her. She, she gets captured by Lex Luthor. Gets pushed off, then he has to save her again. It's just like how many times are you going to have to save the same woman in a movie just so you can continue in the plot? I, I hate when movies use that cliche over and over. again Because they got a fantastic actress like Amy Adams. To portray this iconic character, and they're just throwing her away by making her the damsel in distress. Batman, his—I I don't even know what the hell is going on with him because they're all over the place with him, with the whole future scene because they wanted to make the three-part Justice League trilogy, and then it didn't work out so the scene he created with the flash forward and the flash calling back to warn him really didn't add up to the future. And I'm not going to sit here and line and be like, oh, wow, that was kind of cool, because I did enjoy I it. I thought it was like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see the future movies. But then, obviously, the future's movies sucked a lot of ass. So it kind of was a face punch. And then let's jump into the uh, little cameo scenes from the rest of the Justice League members. This is the cheapest slash easiest slash unintelligent way that they could have done cameos for this char- these characters. Honestly, they could have, if they just put in a tad bit more effort, they could have thought of a more thoughtful and methodical way of putting these characters in this movie. They could have easily shown some of them like the Flash saving someone from um all the all the disaster going on. He ran from Central City and helped. Aquaman came out of the ocean to come and help and get someone out. Uh Wonder Woman was already in the movie. So you, they didn't really need to explain that too much. And who was the other one? Damn, I, I'm forgetting another character that was in it. Cyborg, yeah, Cyborg. They just showed him becoming, like, um, being becoming a Cyborg pretty much, at a lab experiment, which is the only one that I can actually justify to being an actual video. Aquaman and Flash could easily came and swooped in and swooped out. And honestly, the the Flash already had a cameo by that time. He came back in time to warn Batman, Bruce Wayne, about what would happen in the future Justice League movies. And they didn't really need to introduce him again in these little video footage things. So in all respect, they could have easily done without the Wonder Woman and Flash um, footage scenes and just left it to Cyborg having the footage scene and Aquaman just swimming in real quick and saving someone. So I thought it was kind of odd that they did a cheap way and all that. And tell me how come everyone loves Superman all of a sudden, since he quote-unquote sacrifices himself. Because, one, he didn't have to sacrifice himself. I'm pretty positive that someone that is not weak to kryptonite, Wonder Woman or Batman, I'm saying, could have easily thrown it or something at um, Doomsday. Because Superman did not need to like fly into Doomsday and stab him with it. And not only when he stabs him with it, he stood there for a good second, allowing him to stab him. Knowing how fast Superman is, he could have backed and GTFO'd that, that bitch real fast. So no matter what, how close he is to Kryptonite, I know he could have gotten out of that situation. He gave Doomsday the chance, and I thought it was a really pathetic way of doing the death of Superman storyline, because honestly, that's my favorite Superman storyline, and now they kind of just ruined it. But as I digress even more, this movie is just all over the place. So I'm, I'm just going to assume everyone's seen the extended Snyder Cut of this movie, which is like an extra 10 minutes, I think, 10, 20 minutes. And if you guys remember, in the very beginning, when Lois Lane is damsel in distress again, and um, I think it's Afghanistan, Iraq, or some, con- some different country out there, and we're showing a cameraman that just gets shot, and we're like, okay, he's really not a big character, I guess not. But then when the Schneider Cut came out, Schneider Cut came out, we find out it's Jimmy Olsen, and Jimmy Olsen's like an undercover CIA agent all of a sudden. Not only did they take his background and made it completely different, they killed off one of the the ideal characters or the big comic characters in a matter of a few seconds. They didn't give the guy a background, and they just killed him. And I guarantee that Schneider Cut didn't come out. People would have just assume he's just some lousy character, when he really wasn't a lousy character. He was a bigger-than-life character in the comic books, and they just completely wasted Jimmy Olsen, honestly, because Jimmy is the comedical part of the Superman comics, I'd want to say. He's the guy that's always there to give a few laughs, to crack a few jokes, take away a bit of the, the darkness and give more of the humor, and they could have, honestly, this movie could have used a little humor because it took itself way too seriously, I swear to God, if I was colorblind, this movie wouldn't have looked any different because that's all I saw was black and white with this movie. The, the I don't know what Zack Snyder was trying to go for. I don't know why he wanted to make this movie, movie pretty dark because his last movie was nowhere near as dark as this. It was a little gloomy, but this movie was dark. Even during the daytime, it looked like the moon was covering the sun. It looked like a, a, an eclipse the entire movie. And I'm just like... What, what does this add, honestly? It adds absolutely nothing. It kind of made me tired watching the movie because I thought someone was trying to put me to sleep for a few seconds. And then you have the dialogue between characters, more specifically Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. He's talking about God. He's switching the paintings upside down. And then he, he pretty much kills a disabled person for propaganda. And I, 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 I thought it was a very odd choice that people believed Superman blew up the, the Capitol or wherever this meeting was. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're so far in the future, or um, technologically, I should say, where detectives can figure out that this explosion was put in by a bomb on a wheelchair. I am pretty sure that we can figure that out by now. Even in 2016, we could have figured that out, I'm pretty sure. And people just needed a reason to blame, so they went instantly to Superman when he's done nothing but good for them. Yes, he dropped an entire city, but if he didn't drop that entire city, there wouldn't have been a city to save instead of the entire world. So there was a bunch of different decisions that made absolutely no sense to me. And this movie is like a sloppy joe. It's little pieces of meat put into a bowl mixed up, not knowing where where it is. It's just a storyline that's mixed up. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It wants to set up future movies that never even happened, sadly enough. And that's its biggest fall up point, in my opinion. If, they didn't try to, if Zack Snyder didn't try to set up a lot of the future movies, we they could have focused a lot more on the central story. If they'd taken out the Death of Superman Doomsday plot, I would have enjoyed that so much more. If they did this more of a traditional... Batman V Superman movie, they would have done the beginning where Batman and Superman hear about each other. The second the second um fuck the middle of the movie would be them coming face to face for the first time and having their first throwdown. And then between the second and third act, they both learn each other's weaknesses and then that's where they come for the final battle. That's what I pictured when I saw Batman V Superman. Not this monstrosity. But I will give it the benefit of the doubt and say it's not the worst super the not the worst D C E U movie. It's the second worst. But that's not the point. Other than that, I this movie is just so awful that I laugh watching it. I I literally laugh and I sit there. And I'm like Zach Snyder, you poor poor guy. What were you thinking when you made this movie? What were you thinking? And. <laughs> Ah man, I I I don't know how you can enjoy this movie without laughing. Structurally, I don't know how you can enjoy this movie. Ah, oh, dude, I'm losing breath right now just thinking about it. Someone please please take over. <sighs>
2: okay, uh, let me start from the beginning then. Um, <laughs> I will say uh, a lot of what you said. Um, I, I definitely understand. Like I I'm not blind to the movie. Um, I I do understand where you're coming from. But let me hit a few points. Uh, off at the head that, that I kind of wanted to, to, you know, speak about that you brought up. The Martha thing. On face value, yes. Completely out of left field. Didn't really make sense. Kind of was weird. But if you look at it from the standpoint of how the director explained it to where it's the sense of, is it a coincidence? Yes. Is it somewhat lazy writing? Yes. But the point Zach was trying to make was it was the idea of it brought brutes back to his worst experience in life, which was losing his mother, watching his mother be executed in front of him. Just the idea of experiencing that and the idea that someone else currently possibly experiencing that, it brought him to his weakest moment, which was when his parents died. So it was it was a soft spot within Bruce that um, – He wasn't really expecting Superman. Because think about it like this. You're Batman. No one knows who you are. No one knows that you're Bruce Wayne. Someone mentions your mother's name, but you're not fighting them as Bruce Wayne. You're fighting them as Batman. Immediately you're triggered, and you're like, how do you know that? How do you you know that name, and why are you saying it to me? So that kind of just, it it flicked a switch in Batman that kind of made him go back again to that vulnerable spot that he was in. Uh, that weak moment that he experienced when his parents were murdered, and and it stopped him. Now, again, is it lazy writing? Yes. Is it too much of a coincidence? Yes. But there is a deeper meaning to it. It's not as simple as, oh, my mom's name's Martha, so is yours. Are we best friends? Yup. It's not as simple as that. And I think a lot of us moviegoers looked at it from the face value and not from the sense of, excuse me, Someone's saying Bruce Wayne's mother's name, but he's as Batman. So the first thing he's thinking is, how do you know that name? That's what he said. What did you say? How do you know that name? Um, and then on the, other flip, on the flip side of that, he, he went back to the most vulnerable time of his entire life, and that's when he was helpless in watching his parents be executed. So to me, I looked at it from the standpoint of that is the most emotional you will ever see Batman is um, is from the standpoint of remembering his mother being taken from him. So I looked at it from a deeper, uh, more emotional standpoint, and not just from face value of this is just really bad writing. Um, so I-, I looked at that in that sense. Then you go to um, what you were saying about how they poorly did Death of Superman. I agree. I I, I didn't feel like Zack needed to do. If, if if everyone looks at Captain America Civil War as Avengers 2.0, you could say BVS was like a prelude to Justice League. So you didn't need to throw eight different story arcs that could have been introduced in solo movies. I agree with you in that.
0: Um,
2: but the idea of the, – the thing is kryptonite makes Superman very weak. I don't know if you've seen, like, any iteration of, like, the, the cartoons or anything like that. There's not much he can do when you have that much kryptonite that close to him. So the idea of, oh, just stab him and run, like, it's not that simple. The idea of kryptonite is supposed to be Superman is the most OP character to ever exist uh, in the comic book world. The idea is the kryptonite is supposed to be the one thing that makes him as weak as humans are every day. So the idea is that much kryptonite being that close to him, he couldn't just, oh, I stabbed you, let me, let me get out of here. So he was trying to make sure that Doomsday was, was done. Like Superman thought he had did everything to kill Doomsday, but it just kept making him stronger. So he wanted to make sure that he, that he was doing something that could actually stop him. Uh, did it take a little too long? Sure. Um, was Doomsday stabbing Superman back for him to make the ultimate sacrifice? A little bit. Too, too out there, a little bit too on the nose, sure. But I do get the idea that the kryptonite made him too weak to just dip off. Um,
4: the, Wait, the you want, is, can I stop you right there real quick? Yeah. Can I stop you right yeah. There? So I see what you're saying. I'm going to go back to the two points you just said between um the Martha scene and this scene. So I'm going to start with the Martha scene just easier. So with Martha scene, I get that. The thing I don't get is how they completely changed his character. They just did a complete... Coin flip with him because of it of this mother thing. I get it's his mo- it's his mother's name and how he feels sympathy because he doesn't want someone to go through the same thing with the same mother's name, yada yada yada. But as soon as they that happened, they flipped his character arc, and then all of a sudden he's buddy buddy best friends. He he could have easily just gone and helped his mom, but then he could have easily just gone back and start fighting Superman. It's like once he found out his mother's name was Martha, his ideologies changed. Like that must right, mean he's because, a good guy, because he's he,
2: he, expo- he somewhat explained that in the sense of if you if you had kind of kept track with how Bruce Wayne uh, viewed Superman through the entirety of that first half of the movie, it was that he was not a person. He was he was this this uh, this weapon. That's all he was. Him saying Martha, him finding out that Superman has a mom, like he has a, a physical, living, breathing mother that could die, that to him made Superman more human. Like you're not just this weapon that, dis- that leveled half the city. You're, you're a person. So it wasn't just like it came out of nowhere. It was I never viewed you as a person. I viewed you as this alien weapon that needed to be either contained or stopped. The idea that you have people that care about you, that you love, that are here on Earth, is something that the Batman humanized Superman. So I will I will agree with you in the sense of it was just weird, like, how quickly it was. But it was the sense of Batman had never viewed Superman as as someone that someone could love, uh, you know, uh, humanize like, at all. So that was how it, it, it was a quick trigger that made him go... You have something to lose, also. So
4: let me hear what Jordan, you're saying. Go ahead. I completely ahead. agree with you on that. I can't agree with you more. Just that could have been that could have easily been the whole like completely end of a third act instead of adding the whole death of the Superman part. That's where the problem is. They did it so fast when this that little storyline that just happened within a matter of 30 seconds could have been reached out towards the end of the movie after they fought each other. And, yes, this did really happen after they fought each other, but the the way in how fast it all happened just seems just like it, it's nonsense to me because if you're put in that situation too, I don't think your completely ideology and ideas of Superman would switch that fast. Me personally, I would not switch that fast. I would question it, and I'd lay back a little bit, but this all this complete hatred of him seeing destroying the world just because he has a mom, I don't really buy it that much unless they really extended it out and gave him more of a reason of why he came back and which was more Team Superman than anti Superman. But Juwan, I do agree with you. I just don't like the way they did it.
2: I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. My biggest thing, and, and I'm gonna move on so someone else someone else can go. My biggest thing is everyone who disliked BVS, who thinks, "Oh, you should have done solo movies and stuff." If BVS was executed properly, none of us would be having this conversation. It, it was the execution poor writing. that was the—that's the biggest thing in this movie. Right.
4: Very poor writing.
2: All right, let's uh, let's let's move on. Let's see. Um, let me go to Mike because I see uh, I see Mike was LOLing in the uh, in the group chat. So I'm gonna go to you, Mike. Uh, where do you land on this? And then if you want to kind of touch on anything me, AJ, or, or Ryan have, have been saying, um, just kind of give me your thoughts and where you stand on Batman v. Superman.
6: Why did you say that name? <laughs> okay. He gives me laughs on hoping Uh I call this movie Batman v. Superman Dawn of Disappointment because let me set the scene for you here, guys. I've been waiting for this movie. I'm probably a little older than anyone on this podcast. Uh, I used to watch the old Super Friends cartoon when I was a kid, and I said I cannot wait until one day when we have a Batman movie and a Superman movie where they're both in the same movie at the time. I dreamed it would happen with Christopher Reeve and Michael Keaton. That's how that's how long ago this was. So my excitement for this movie was above what most people were for like The Force Awakens. I mean, I was through the roof with anticipation for this. I had seen Marvel build their universe so well, and I had seen I have very close friends or are still those those idiots that feel like they've got to choose between marvel and dc i was like i grew up reading dc comics so i was kind of lean that way but i mean i love them all I, I, i'm a big spider-man reader too so i never really understood that whole like my team your team with this thing but this felt like my moment you know so i can't say i absolutely hate this movie but i also can't say i love it because it has a lot of problems and again i think it's just disappointment is really the word that i would use but let me kind of touch on some of the the things here that I like and like First, what I liked, I think that Ben Affleck was like the closest to my quintessential Batman, which is Batman the animated series, especially as Bruce Wayne. I felt like he was ripped straight from that cartoon. Uh, I was just like everyone else when he was uh, first cast. All I could think of was, oh my God, did they not watch Daredevil? But uh, after, I think it was, I, I saw a couple movies that he did before this came out. I think one of them was uh, with the town. He was really good in that. And, uh, Either Gone Girl or Gone Baby Gone. I always get this too confused. Anyway, I thought he was really great in both of those. I was like, okay, maybe this guy's turned the corner, and, and he he can pull this off. So I was actually on board with him. Uh, you mentioned that warehouse fighting scene. Yeah, that's hands down. Everybody will go to Winter Soldier, but no, that's my favorite. That's my favorite any superhero fight in any movie so far. That's that that's just excellent. That's everything I've ever wanted to see. I of a Batman fighting scene. Alfred, I agree. Alfred was great, but it might just be because I love Jeremy Irons because that's always going to be scarred to me, and uh. Simon from uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Does anybody besides me even watch that movie? Anyhow, uh, yes, Wonder Woman. I did. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Uh, leading up to this, I started feeling like everyone else was just kind of like, okay, they're shoving a little too many people in this. I was excited uh, for Wonder Woman in this because, again, I watched the Wonder Woman TV series when I was a kid. And I was like, okay, great. I am all on board for this. I was very, very unsure about Gal Gadot or however you say her name. I'm never going to say it right probably. I... Saw the, that one sheet that Zack Snyder tweeted of her uh, with the sword and the, and the outfit. I was like, okay, look, she she looks pretty good. This can probably work out. I wanted to hear her talk. You know what? Fine. So that turned out to be nothing wrong with her in this movie for me. I didn't know if she needed to be there, but I was fine with it. You know, everybody didn't complain when Hawkeye just showed up or Black Widow just showed up in, in Iron Man and Thor. Nobody complained about that. But, you know, people got to compare these two so much. I like Perry White. Maybe it's just because I like Larry Fishburne, but, um, then he went in within the Ant-Man movie, so he's dead to me. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what's bad. What's bad about Batman v. Superman? This list is a little longer. Lex Luthor, this is the worst case of miscasting I've ever heard, and if it's true that Brian Cranston begged for this role and they didn't give it to him, I've got to ask, what the hell is wrong with you, Zack Snyder? I do not get where they were going for. They were trying to do like a, a Mark Zuckerberg kind of thing with him. I do not understand. What, I've read so many Superman comics, and this is never the vibe I've gotten off of Lex Luthor. I have no idea. this It's like they watched an episode of Big Bang Theory and said, let's make one of these guys Lex Luthor. Because I have no idea what the hell this role was. And I think Jesse Eisenberg is a great actor. That's just a horrible miscasting. And then you got the plot. What the – you? I think, Ryan, you said, I'm sorry I'm all over the place right now. That's okay. So is this movie. And I'm talking about the theatrical version right now. When I actually did see the ultimate cut, a lot more things made sense to the point where I was like, why would they cut that? Why would they cut that? Why would they leave this shit in that they left in the theatrical version? They cut this stuff out that actually makes the plot make sense. No idea what they were thinking on this. Kevin Costner showing up in this? You couldn't cut that part out and put in some of the stuff from the ultimate cut? Just a suggestion. Uh, and by the way, I do want to add, I love Man of Steel. I love it. I think it's a top five superhero movie ever. It's my favorite Superman movie ever. I love it. Yeah. So what they did with Superman this movie is just like, do you guys know this character at all? I mean, you want to do Death of Superman in the second movie. After you just spent the last four years defending Man of Steel saying the reason there was so much destruction, the reason he broke Zod's neck is because this was his first day on the job. This is an origin story. So you're gonna rush forward 25 freaking years and do Death of Superman in the next movie? Come on, man! What are you thinking there? That whole fourth act didn't even need to be here. And the Dawn of Justice setup. So, so Lex Luthor just has like these little, these someone in someone in house at uh, LexCorp making these little logos for these people to put these files on his computer. <laughs> what is this, man? What are they doing? And then you got Doomsday. It looked like a cave troll from Lord of the Rings. I don't even know what they were thinking with this. I. Abomination probably looked better than this thing in the Incredible Hulk movie. I have no idea who greenlit that thing after they saw the sketch art for it because that does not look like Doomsday at all. But again, it just feels like too much to put into a second movie. You're trying to build a universe here. You're trying to catch up with Marvel because regardless if you think they were or not, they saw what Marvel was doing. They said, okay, we need to get in on this. Else they would have never done a shared universe. Why are you starting with a 50-year-old Batman and killing Superman in your second movie in your universe. that makes That's something you do in, like, phase three. What are you doing, man? Second movie. It's just He tried to put too many comic arcs in this, and I love Watchmen. Watchmen, the uh, director's cut, I think that's a masterpiece. So I don't hate Zack Snyder, but I don't want Watchmen in my Batman and Superman movie. And that's what he tried to do. He tried to de- deconstruct our heroes too many times, and it just did not work for me. So not white-hot hate for this movie, but definitely a lot of disappointment.
2: I will say I, I want to point out two things uh, that, that you brought up, Mike, before I move on to, to Corey and, and Tia. Uh, the Lex Luthor thing, uh, Zach made it abundantly clear, even though it could be a little revisionist history on his part, so I won't be completely uh, blind to the idea of that. Uh, two things. One, he said it numerous times um, le- that Jesse Eisenberg's Lex was the son. Uh, of course, his father wasn't the, the Lex that we know, but his father was the Lex that could have been the Lex that we know, but he had died. So he was he was creating a Lex in today's world. So in today's world, that's exactly what a evil genius with a, a crazy amount of money, I would imagine, would be like. A little, I don't want to say schizophrenic, but like a little a little nervous, a little, I don't really want to be in front of a, a, a whole room of people. I'm a little off. Um, that's what I imagined. But the reason why the Jesse Eisenberg casting didn't really rub me the wrong way besides the fact that he said this was Lex's son was that um, he, Zach had made it clear that it's a long game with Lex. Like, this isn't the, the Lex you'll see going forward. There's an evolution. So, when I saw at the end, they shaved his head. I said, okay, so they're grooming Lex to become the Lex that we know. And then at the end of Justice League, I felt as though it paid off. Like, yes, that is Lex Luthor. He looks great. Um, I think how he wrote um, the way Lex acted is, I think, what bothers a lot of people, because that's just not... Lex doesn't act like that, but I think he cleared it up by saying, that's his that you guys know. I am grooming him to become the Lex that you guys know. Just let it play out. It's a long game. And with Doomsday, Zach also made it clear that that wasn't the first Doomsday. Another Doomsday existed before this one. The reason why it looked like a mix of Hunchback Notre Dame with a Lord of the Rings uh, villain was that it was the fusing of Zod. And then the uh, the the you know the creation of of doomsday. So it was taken off of the idea of what an original doomsday looked like. But this was more of it looked like Zop. That was the you know what I think,
6: Duan? I think you've been listening to the release of Snyder Cutters too much because this sounds like a lot of revisionist history.
2: No 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 no. I, I'm going off of what what Zach said. I I'll find it for you and send it to you. It, it, it's what Zach was saying that. That, uh, oh, I'm sure Zach he, has
6: said it, but he every time he talks, the least the Snyder Cutters go crazy and, and start making T-shirts out of pictures that he listen, posts on Twitter I and stuff. I so. completely,
2: I completely understand you, and like I said, I I'm not blind to the idea that he could be saying this because of all the uh, the negativity that was thrown to both characters. I'm not blind to that. That could a hundred percent be what is uh, what's going on. But we do know in the editing room there was a lot of disagreement between Zack and Warner Brothers. We saw that amplify in Justice League. So I do believe that Zack might have gone way left field in his, his ideas on creating these characters and the stories. But if he says Lex was the son and he says Doomsday uh, wasn't the first Doomsday, that there's been others, cool, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think my biggest issue was Zack took from the comic The Dark Knight Returns. My issue is, if he had stuck to that comic faithfully, this movie would have been perfect. The idea All that, because right. remember, he set it up in Man of Steel to where it would have been perfect, to where Superman had a relationship with the government. Remember that whole, uh, the colonel the that, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Lois was, was kind of talking to about that, that golden bullet or silver bullet or whatever. Superman had gained somewhat of a relationship. So you could have went the route of the president wants Superman to stop Batman because Batman's going out of control. Like he's killing people, branding people. If you had went the route that the animated movie went, that the comics went, I think this movie could have been a billion times better. If you wanted to, you know, have it be that Lex influence the president to tell Superman to kill Batman, whatever route you wanted to go, it just would have been, it would have been more faithful to one storyline. Sign me up. That's a, that better a better you, movie. You
6: saying it. That's a better movie yeah. right there, what you just said. That's a better movie. I
2: know. He he wouldn't commit to one story, and that was his issue in this entire movie. Just commit to one story and do it well, and we don't have any issues. But he wanted to dip his toes in too many different pools. It was just it, it got weird. But um, let's, let's move on. Let's, let's hear from – I haven't heard from Tia. Let me hear from Tia before I go to Corey. Uh, oh, wait. No, I took Tia off. Let me put Tia back Bat on. Batfleck rules. No. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, uh, Batfleck rules. Tia, Tia, <laughs> my best buddy Tia, please <laughs> tell me, I, me and Mike have, and AJ have convinced you to love Ben Affleck's Batman, and if not, you may go into why you dislike Batman versus Superman.
5: Man, guys, I am as tired tonight as Ben Affleck is playing Batman. Let me start off by saying that, no, I am not a, a Ben Affleck fan. He's had a good movie here and there. As Mike said, I liked him in Gone Girl, and I really did like him in The Accountant, which I think came out the same year as Batman v. Superman. It was just a much better performance from Ben Affleck. And that being said, yes, I loved Christian Bale as Batman. It did feel a little strange that they had cast a new batman so soon after christian bale ended his run but now looking back on it it's because the christopher nolan uh universe was so separate from all of that and they just kind of wanted to get the ball rolling on this whole dceu okay a uh, one last disclaimer I am not a comic book reader, but that being said, I grew up on Batman the Anime Series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, so I have been a Batman fan. I watched Batman vs. Superman as a movie as a to see this Batman, and I was just, oh, oh my God, and I say this story all the time, but it felt like three hours, the worst three hours of my life, I want my money back, even though I didn't even pay to go see it. But I made a shit ton of notes. I'm glad that Ryan previously said something about it being too dark because I can't see shit. And I'm like, I can't see what you're doing, which to me says that you really weren't doing that great of a job with your movie because you didn't even want your audience to see most of the shit that was going on. Uh, And what I disliked about the storyline with Batman is the same thing what I dislike with the whole Sokovia Accords with Captain America Civil War. It's like, okay, yes, I know there's a shit ton of destruction that happened, but what would you rather, destroy a little bit and save the world or the world being destroyed itself? I mean, it sounds bad, but what is the whole phrase? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I mean, that's what just Superman has to do. And Batman or Bruce Wayne is coming out of nowhere like, oh, I gotta go and now defeat Superman. And it's just, it was, it was really just terrible. And I disliked every performance. I, and I liked Henry Cavill as Superman. So obviously that was Those scenes were okay to watch, and Gal Gadot was just absolutely spectacular as Wonder Woman. I just didn't find anything spectacular about Ben Affleck's Batman. And I understand for the extreme comic book readers that they liked that it was a comic book accurate portrayal. But for me, as the moviegoer who doesn't have that in the back of her head, I'm just looking to have a good performance, and I didn't see that. In Ben Affleck as Batman. Now to move on to the infamous Martha scene. I understand what you're saying, Juwan, with what Zack Snyder trying to say, but it didn't come off like that. It just came off such so shitty. The deliverance. I mean, you got these two guys. And they're going at it. They're just destroying everything. I never understood how in the DCEU that the world is even still standing because they seem to destroy it every two seconds. And they're going at it. And freaking Amy Adams as Lois Lane just always happens to just be there. She's just always conveniently there. And they're fighting. And then she just, again, happens to just, in, Martha, who's Martha? It's his mother. And then the, next thing you know, it is exactly like that scene from Seth Brothers. We just became best friends. Cool. And it was just so shitty of how they even decided to do that. I mean, there, there could have been so many other ways to get them to stop fighting and work together. It did not have to be something as shitty as, oh, you're Martha, Mark is such a freaking common name. I mean, Jesus Christ! It would be one thing if it was like a name that maybe five people in the world have, but uh, Martha is a pretty common name that you see a lot. But I digress. Um, the CGI was terrible. I mean, this is Warner Brothers. Don't you have a huge freaking budget? How do you make everything look absolutely freaking terrible? That, I I couldn't stand the CGI. It was worse, than, worse in Justice League, but this isn't a Justice League show, so we don't need to talk about that absolute monstrosity of a movie. Um, Lex Luthor sucked. I I don't know if Zack Snyder said that that was supposed to be his son before the movie, or he just went back and said that to try and put the fire out of the shitstorm that was going on around that. But, oh, my God, that... as Mike says that was the worst casting ever. If Brian Cranston wanted that role, like why didn't you give Brian Cranston that role? At this point it's looking like John Cryer. So no disrespect towards John Cryer, but it's looking like John Cryer is going to be a better Lex Luthor than Jesse Eisenberg. I mean, uh, that was not the the Lex Luthor that I have in my head when I think of Lex Luthor. I mean he was terrible and just Everything about it, going back and forth, I, as I said earlier, I thought it was, like, three hours long because it felt like three hours long. I hated the scene where then, you know, and not saying that I hated Wonder Woman because, as I said, I thought she was, like, the best thing of this movie. But when they're going up against Doomsday and Wonder Woman pops in, it, it, do you know who she is? I thought she was with you. I, I don't know. That that was also delivered terribly. I mean, it's like this movie came out like 40 years ago when no one really decided to put any effort into their acting or movies at all. So I just, I really, you know, and and Ryan said it and Mike went over it. It just was too many storylines at the same time. I don't understand why you wanted to start your DCEU with a team-up movie like this, even though it wasn't the Justice League. You had Batman, you had Superman, you had Wonder Woman, you had The Flash, you had the Aquaman, you had Cyborg, you had all of this all at the same time in this movie, and you just want to get it out because you want to compete with Marvel in the sense that at this point, I forget how many movies we had in at that point, but the DCEU's, really wanted to catch up, and you didn't need to catch up. Take your time. The MCU took its time. I mean, at this point, what, it's been 10 years, and we're finally getting Thanos. Um, you didn't need to do everything right away. The fans would have waited. We would have, if we had a good uh, Batman movie solo, maybe if you even wanted to do a Man of Steel 2, you didn't need to do this like this. And um, then it was a complete miscast with Ben Affleck because now he's out. And he, now we're going to have to get reintroduced to another Batman. And he is an older Batman, which not saying he doesn't look good for his age. Um, I'm still sitting here, and I know Juwan will actually agree with me that John Hamm should be a uh, Batman. But you got this older Batman. And it sounds like you were a little dishonest with the actor and now you can't even do your whole huge extended universe the way you wanted to because now one of the biggest players is out. So it just it seems it seems too too rushed, too, too much at the same time. Maybe there was uh, lots of back and forth between Zack Snyder and the studio. I'm sure there was. That's what I consistently hear. But it was just a a bad movie. You know, as a moviegoer, even if you want to sit here and dissect this and that and this and that and go over what was really meant when this person said this line, a person sitting down who doesn't really know a lot about, you know, not to say that I don't know a lot about these characters because, as I said, I watched the animated shit growing up. I watched the Batman movies. I watched Superman movies. Just didn't read the comics. If you're someone who maybe is like me or even to a lesser degree of maybe they've not grown up on any of the animated shit and they're just going because they want to see a good action movie, they're going to be like, what the hell is going on? I don't appreciate that a million different storylines are being vomited into this movie at once so no juan you and aj certainly didn't change my
2: perspective of ben affleck as batman understood i i, I want to bring up one thing and then i'm going to go to corey because he's dying to, to <laughs> talk about this movie um i want to say one thing i want to say everyone uh because it, it's not you too yeah. we we heard this no extent after the movie came out of take your time, you don't have to rush to catch up with Marvel, you don't have to, like, you know, think too far ahead. The thing is, I don't think they were trying to, to necessarily catch up. Here's the thing, what I, I think a lot of people forget, Marvel had to play a long game. You want to know why? Because in the Marvel universe, do you want to know who the most notable characters are? The X-Men, Spider-Man. Those are the most notable characters. Everyone else, uh, uh, someone who's never picked up a Marvel comic book, has never seen anything about So Iron Man, yes, you have to sell somebody on that. You have to sell someone on shore, on Captain America, unless you were back in the 60s. You had to sell somebody on on Ant-Man, on The Guardian. You had to sell it. So you had to build a world to where you could place those characters in. Warner Brothers found themselves in a really great situation because, everybody knows Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman religiously. Whether you read a comic or not, you know those characters. So if I'm Warner Brothers, if I can get the three biggest superheroes ever in a movie together and make it work, I'm going to try to do that. Again, the biggest issue I think people have that they're not really honing in on is the execution. It was executed uh, poorly. If it was not, none of us tell. None of us are saying you should have took your time. You should have slowed down. If it was a good movie, I don't think any of us have an issue with them deciding to do a trio movie instead of just a Man of Steel 2 like it was supposed to be or just a Batman solo or a Wonder Woman solo. Warner Brothers has – go ahead. I'm sorry, Tia. Go
5: ahead. If it was a well-executed movie, I would have completely shut my mouth about it because despite – me not liking Ben Affleck's particularly. I If it was a good movie, I would have shut up. But the one thing that the movie did for me was completely sell me on Gal as Wonder Woman because before then I wasn't 100% sold. Not that I really knew her. I just didn't visually think that she was go- going to be good as Wonder Woman. And I think I've spoken about this before on one of our shows. But the movie completely sold me on her. So if they had done that with Ben Affleck, if they had even done that with Jesse Eisenberg, because if we remember in the not-so-distant past, a lot of people raised their eyebrows when John Cryer recently got cast as Les Luthor, but based on some behind-the-scenes photos and stuff, I think people are warming up to the idea of it. So if they had executed properly, absolutely I would not be sitting here trashing it today.
2: Right. Uh, I, and listen, I, like I said, I get why people didn't like the movie. I, I get it. I get it. I'm not one of those blind Snyder Colt fans. I, I get it. Um, the, the biggest thing with me is what you're saying, how it got you comfortable with, with Wonder Woman. It got, I'll, I'll say this, because I don't ever like to project to the world, because obviously I didn't talk to the world, but it got so many people comfortable with Ben being Batman. That warehouse scene... If that was the only scene that had Batman in the entire movie, it still would have sold everybody on on his Batman. It was just, again, it was just the most accurate Batman from the gadgets, from the fighting style, from the look. It was just tailor-made. It seemed tailor-made for it. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
5: And I'll I'll say one more thing because I don't want to take away from Corey uh, speaking. It's really funny because I think now I've been with GVN for close to a year. I think maybe in another month or so. Before you guys, I didn't know anyone who liked Ben Affleck as Batman. Anyone in my it's, personal life, anyone that I spoke crazy. to, they'd be like, they'd be like, oh, that's terrible like as soon as I as soon as I told Kelly as soon as I told my boyfriend as soon as I told my mom that I was like we're even talking about this and they're going to defend and they're all like wait what they're defending and I was like yeah there's a whole community out there of people who really like this and are like holy shit
2: (laughs) so yeah well that's that's, (laughs) that's how I feel that's how I feel uh on, on the flip side, because I've never after his after seeing his performance as Batman in BVS, I didn't hear not one person say that they didn't like his portrayal as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I I didn't hear it. I'm not gonna say it didn't exist. I just I personally didn't hear it. I didn't see it. Um, everyone was just blown away by how accurate they were able to get. Uh, you know, Bruce Wayne and that side of Batman. Um, But like I said, I've never thought it was them trying to hurry up and and jump into the arms race against Marvel. I think they thought they had the upper hand because you have three of the most notable heroes in the history of comics. And no one would have thought bringing those three characters together would result in a bad movie. No one thought that. No one thought that. Uh, We might have thought you were doing too much, but no one thought, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, bad movie. Um, and also I wanted to say right before I pass, since it was dumb. Why did you have it in there? It actually did, if you want to connect the dots. Let me not say that that's what they were aiming for. But if you did want to connect the dots, that Flash telling Bruce, uh, Lois is the key. If you want to then look forward to Justice League, where Bruce kept saying, if, uh, if uh, Superman comes back, you know, Pet Cemetery, like or whatever, we, I'll bring out the big guns. And the big guns turned out to be Lois. You could attribute that to that warning that the Flash gave him. I could be reaching here, but, I mean, it was never explained. So you have to assume that is what Flash meant by Lois is the key. Although, obviously, Zach was trying to build up Injustice. In that in that scene where Ben was uh was was having a nightmare, he was trying to do injustice on top of Death of Superman, on top of Dark Knight Return, on top of everything else he was trying to do. But again, I ya, it'll I'll never understand how you don't like. Um, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, all right, Ryan, let me go to Corey and then I'll let you do, uh talk about that flash game. But let me get Corey in here. Corey, I know. I know the steam's been popping out of your ears, man. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and uh, yeah. give us your take. I have everyone muted, but me and you. Go ahead and give us your take on, on Batman v. Superman and
7: whether you thought it was a good movie or a bad movie. All right. You can hear me okay?
2: I can hear you. You're a little low, but I can hear you.
7: All right. Um. So, yeah, my ears are steaming a bit uh, after listening to that. Uh, I went into this. And I was kind of dreading watching. I literally, I was like, "All right, man, I gotta watch this day before I get ready." I was like, "All right, I need a drink." <laughs> like, and uh, then I remember the first time I saw it, uh, I actually really liked the film. You know, so I was like, "All right, so what I'm gonna do is try to do a likes and dislike list." You know, and try to break it down. Uh, honestly, I ended up liking the movie a lot more than I disliked it. I mean, purely from a visual part alone. I think any comic book fan, you know, any true comic fan could agree that it was, you know, it's pretty. Even if the imagery didn't make sense, even if it was like, why is the Flash popping up doing this? Why are they doing Death of Superman early? You know, which I do understand. I mean, I think a lot of us can appreciate, hey, you know, <laughs> if we didn't get it now, <laughs> there's a good chance we weren't going to get it anyways. So, you know, that's one thing that I went into it. Uh Another thing I loved was uh, Bruce. Yeah, I didn't like Ben Affleck. Like, I'm the first one on the page to be like, yo, let Ben Affleck die off, you know, go into the sunset. But uh, watching it again, I'm like, he did a great job. I'm not a Batman fan, so that's where I start off. But uh, he did a great job at making Batman seem like a human being like his Bruce Wayne in the first act where he sees that little girl and he's like, hey, let's go get your mom. You know, you can kind of tell that's before he's had everything shattered to him. You know, before, I assume it would be before he lost the first Robin or second Robin, whatever Robin he lost. And he really sold that, like, hey, he still cares about people. And then seeing Superman do that and bring that much destruction is what snapped him. So, I I mean, I don't...
2: It's, it's also, just cut in really quickly, it, it also was the sense of, because um, he did seem as though he had separated himself from being Batman for a bit. Like, that Robin thing really, really hurt him. Um, but the, the biggest reason why I loved his Batman um, as much as I loved his Bruce Wayne was because that scene where everyone was making fun of him, like, slapping around in the corner and everything like that, it was the idea of Finally, you had a Batman who was not only a symbol of fear, but he had seemed like a boogeyman to people. Like, it was one of those things where it was like when they saw him, it was just like, I didn't think that guy was real. Like, I thought he was just like a story you tell kids, you know, at at night. Like, that is what I love because that's something we have never had in Batman. Like, when Christian Bale said, fear me, like, I was just like, (laughs) when you're talking like that, I can't. Like, I can't fear you when you're talking like that. So to see how Ben just naturally was able to absorb the essence of being the the symbol of is what I love and what I was super glad Zach was able to
7: touch on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally like. You know, I have a lot of stuff in here about in my light column about Bruce or uh, Ben Affleck. You know, he made Bruce Wayne seem like Bruce Wayne, where you know, if you anyone who knew Bruce Wayne wouldn't just instantly assume that guy's Batman. You know, he's reclusive. He's a jerk. It's very gruff, you know? And then, uh, he also made Batman seem so much like that. Like he was big built when he took off the cowl and like he was walking up, uh, from the Batmobile one scene. I remember that's and he's walking up and I'm like, I don't see any difference between like, Oh, that's like a, you know, stage double or, you know, some guy just pulling off a cow and, you know, I'm like, that's, it's Batman, you know, take, taking off his mask, you know, putting on the real one, you know, pretending to be Bruce Wayne. And, uh, I mean, honestly, he's from the whole thing. So I'm just going to try to gather my thoughts for a second. But, uh, God, yeah, honestly, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, listening to you guys before, you shouldn't let me go last. Uh, listening to you guys before, there's a lot of stuff that I agree with, but also I have, like, strong disagreements. I'm just going to go with uh, Martha because that's a big one that everyone, uh, I wanted to, you know, hate that, you know, little part too, but I think it goes, I mean, I think the movie, having it fresh in my mind, it clearly explains why it's so significant. And like the idea that when they, when they do the scene, he says kill Martha, it flashes to Batman seeing his father dying on the ground, looking at his mother, whispering Martha, like he wanted to save her, but there's nothing he can do. So then he's killing Superman. He's about to kill Superman, I mean, by all means. And Superman says, Martha. And it kind of snaps in Bruce's head that it's like, wow, that's, I'm now Joe Chill, or whoever, you know, random thug, whatever they call him, or the guy who killed my mom. And Superman's my dad trying to protect the woman he loves. And I think, I mean, it's simple, but it's also very deep. And I think if you can follow the jumbled up story of the film, (laughs) like, you can grab it. But I think it's, I mean, it does play a lot better than, I mean, I can understand why it's mean in a joke. But Uh, other than that, you know, I love Lois. Lois was great. I think, oh, my favorite part for Lois was uh, when she realized earlier than Superman, Uh, Superman and Batman That what Lex was doing And she like I understand the damsel in distress argument But She She also was very She went to that place by her She went to the desert by herself She figured out the connection with To the government by herself Lex Luthor by herself Like she was doing a lot more work than I mean even Bruce was so The boys were busy trying to fight each other and Lois was like, "Hey, someone's manipulating you guys. Let me figure this out," which I think shows a very strong Lois Lane, and she didn't seem too scared when she got thrown off uh, balcony.
2: Like I said, it, it's it's funny because this movie, uh, I I think more so than than what I'm going to be like next week for the Last Jedi, has me torn because, like I said, I. I got to see it with the advanced screening um, because when Zach did that whole go to the theater and, and see the 15-minute trailer, um, a lot of people were like, I'm not wasting my time. I went with, with my dad, um, and when we went to get up to leave, the the guys at AMC were like, hey, you, you guys all get uh, a free pass to come see this movie when it comes out, like a week before it comes out. So I got to see it for free, then then I got to see it three more times, again, for free. So. Anyone who's like, I want my money back, I luckily didn't have to pay anything. Um, I, uh, w- when I saw it the first time, I saw it as someone who has been waiting to see the most accurate form of Batman. Corey, you know this from following the page since its beginning. I'm a diehard Batman fan. Um, so I saw it as a fanboy the first time. I saw it the second and third time as a reviewer, as like a, a film critic. And I get all the reasons people do did not like this movie. The purest reason why I liked this movie is because it was enjoyable, whether it was from the, the action sequences, the visuals, the, uh, the, the, the soundtrack of it. I just enjoyed myself. Again, I didn't think this was necessarily one of the crowning achievements of the DCEU, but I didn't leave it ever hating it. I honestly felt the same with this movie that I felt for Venom. Venom is a bad movie. I enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed it. Like, I left feeling like that was pretty, that, that was okay. Like, I didn't hate it. I, I didn't hate it. So that's why I said this movie is so torn to me because I don't have one side that I could just completely stick to because I get why people did not enjoy it. It was all over the place. Um, uh. So it, it, it's one of those things where it's just like, this conversation will never die because you'll always have people that are like, this movie was all over the place, it was horrible. And then you have people that are like, Zack Snyder is my godfather, therefore I will defend everything he does. Um, so it's like it's a, weird, it's a weird split between the two because then you have that small, that small percentage that I think is me, you, Corey, uh, Mike to a degree, and AJ that actually did enjoy it for some parts of it. Um and and that that's why I think our small percentage gets like shunned out because we're not the Snyder cult or we're not people that really didn't uh like it at all. Um, so it's like there's no in between. So but I yeah. mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna kick it back to you if you had anything else else to add, Corey.
7: Yeah, no, I mean I agree with you on like that. I mean I feel honestly I wanted I didn't want to be one of these people here sitting there and be like Yo, BVS was a really good movie. But, you know, I mean, just going from the first act alone, the visuals, the opening scene, amazing. All the stuff in the opening scenes, great job, you know, Bruce, uh, the fight, all the playbacks and stuff like that, really good. I do agree, you know, caring that Jimmy died was weird. But uh, I think, like, they did a good job at showing Alfred, showing off, you know, Bruce foreshadowing Lex, you know, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, Oh, actually, you know what, mentioning Lex, uh, I have Lex in both columns for me, like and dislike, because I think they rushed, or they uh, slowed Lex down, and they showed, like, they did what, all the stuff we saw of Lex should have been the year and a half or whatever, in between Superman being introduced and before his plot, like, I feel like they really, they're like, oh, let's just kind of make Lex a nut job, you know, but he's a young guy. He's cool. I don't know. I mean, it's just Jesse Eisenberg wasn't right for it. If they did that, if they did all this stuff as, like, a pre-stuff precursor to Batman versus Superman, I would have been fine with it. But nothing he did, like, after he got him to fight made sense to me. Uh, Batman movie was dope. So one thing I do want
2: to ask you, ask you, uh, AJ, is now that you've seen, and again, uh, we're kind of looping a lot in here, um, now that you've seen what Lex has become between BVS to the end of Justice League, do you still feel as though it was a miscasting or do you get that Lex seems to have been a long play that is becoming the more accurate Lex Luthor that we um, that we know. I mean, because what I try to remind everyone is, Zack Snyder casted all of these guys. And the thing I think a lot of people forget is, very few of these castings people were on board with. I think the only one people were, like, from the jump on board with was Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Because, I mean, the man is beautiful, so why not be uh, the god of the sea? Um, so... Everyone, everyone else, Henry Cavill, there were so many doubters until um, he was in the suit. Ben Affleck, so many doubters until he was in the suit. Wonder Woman, the same thing. The Flash, to a degree, the same thing. Cyborg, I don't really think you had any hardcore Cyborg fans that really cared. So it was like a tin can could have been Cyborg, and I think we would have been fine with it. Um, but how do you feel about the, the Lex casting now seeing what, he, what he's become since the events of BVS? Uh, how, how do you feel on Lex, Corey? Hello? All right. We sorry. All
7: have... Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, there, okay. There we go. go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? How do I feel about what? I feel about Lex now? Seeing what
2: his character has become from the events of BVS to now seeing the the end of Justice
7: League and the end credit scene. Yeah. You know. I think I understand it a lot more. Uh, I like it more, but I, I don't think it justifies it. Like, I, I still think it was kind of a bad casting. I get what you're trying to do. Uh, also, you know, I've heard the rumors that his idea was by Justice League 3, you know, Latch should be full-blown with uh, Dark Side and, you know, really straight up in there. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of progressive and, like, the nightmare scenes or whatever were supposed to be from... Uh, Justice League 3, so, you know, it's building towards him being right and kind of having control over Superman, kind of, you know, the threat level that we understand in the comics and yeah. animators, but, I mean, the the route they took to get there, it that's one of the things where you can kind of tell, hey, you were rushing to try to, you know, do something different or similar to Marvel, you know? Kind of, yeah, I mean, you can get that I feel. will
2: say, I will say, if, if we go off of what Kevin Smith was saying about what Zach was trying to do with Justice League Two, Justice League Three, it sounds amazing. The only issue is, and I just, I would Zach would understand this is Zach is a visual guy. So if you could bring in like a really good writer, like a really, really, really good writer, I think a lot of people forget BVS was written not to. Uh, not too long before the, uh, the actual shooting of the movie was rewritten. Um, I think if you got someone that was a really good writer to write that movie and you just take care of the visuals, a lot of this would have been cleared up. <laughs> I think because you allowed Zach in the writing room, and then, you know, you, you had to rewrite it, quickly write it before the starting of, the, uh, of, of, of filming and everything. Um, I think the biggest issue is you cannot let Zach tell a story by himself. Like, he's one of those things oh, yeah. that you can't leave in a room by himself with crayons or just start writing all over the walls. That is Zach. Like, you have to constantly watch him and see what he is trying to place together because storytelling, not his key. Visual, no one else does it better than Zach Snyder. But I want to go to AJ because AJ had a question. So, AJ, uh. What is it that you wanted to ask, and who did you want to ask it to? Uh,
3: this is for, yeah, this is for everyone. I, I've been listening, and everybody has like a problem with. Well, most of us had a problem with Zach's vision, or somewhat. But do you think it's Zach's problem, or was it Warner Brothers? Because um, Tia mentioned that. That, or not to you. Everybody mentioned that the uh, story was all over the place, not even just with Batman versus Superman, but like the MCU in general. Do you think it would have been better if Warner Brothers and their producers and all that, like, let Zack Snyder do his thing so he can. See, like, I don't think Zack I... has a. Go on.
2: No, I was going to say, I I see what you're asking. The thing is with Zach, if Zach since hasn't talked as much as he has, I would completely blame BVS and Justice League purely on Warner Brothers. But Zach since Justice League has been telling us what his ideas were post-Justice League, and they sound horrible. So to me, I go... Man, you had some really bad ideas in store for... This guy, AJ, was talking about he planned on killing Batman uh not too long after Justice League, It's like, wait, what? Hold on, hold on. It's already crazy you made him as old as he did, <laughs> but you were planning on killing him? Like That is insane. You're building a world. You can't build a world by killing off the main guy. Picture if the MCU you know- started with would start being 60, and then by Avengers, he died at the end. Everything Marvel did going forward would be just purely a head-scratcher. It'd be like, why start the universe with him then? Like, it made no sense. So I don't put full blame on the studio, even though Warner Brothers and Sony are completely uh, famous for putting their hands in the cookie jars instead of just letting the directors do what they need to do. That isn't what I was going to ask. I was asking, like,
3: I know it's not completely wonderful. Hey, AJ, all, can, I, can but, I answer that real quick? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
7: So, you know, I think, um, honestly, I think even Zach's, like, you know, trying to push stuff was also on the studio. You know, a lot of it was really, hey, we need something big to come up with. You know, Marvel's already deep into their plan, you know. We don't want we want to do something new where we don't slow start it like they did. You know, we want to kind of, you know, people know our characters. They want to kind of bring it in quick. Get the money. So I think the studio is saying, hey, Zach, you're great visual. Well, you're right, Juwan. Like, you don't leave that kind of guy alone by himself to tell the story. You know, he's going to do everything visually and not leave much substance, like, you know, or not, you know, tell the story correctly. But uh, I honestly don't, I don't blame Zach at all. I think Zach had... I mean, some of his ideas were uh, excuse me, crazy, but uh, he did very well in the visual part. And what he wanted to do was a great direction. He just needed someone to help him out in the writer's room, you know, who actually knew what they were doing. Uh, other than that, like, his idea, like, hey, let's make Batman older. Like, that's not a bad idea. That's kind of cool. Then you can kind of get some – but you can tell – that that's some of the things where WB is like, hey, we need an older bat. I don't want to start with a young Batman. We're not doing that. We're going to have an older Batman, going to have all his heroes. We can bring up whatever characters we want, sewer squad, squad, all that stuff. Still makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's but... where I was, Zach was put in a rough situation, in my opinion.
2: Go ahead, AJ. Yeah. I, I want to hear, hear from Tia, uh, Ryan, and, and Mike about
7: this also. But, but go ahead and finish up
2: your
0: point.
3: Okay. Um, what I was like trying to say is that it wasn't. It's not completely Zach's or Warner Brothers' fault separately, but it felt like as a uh, team, team like helping each other. It felt disorganized. Like they couldn't figure out what that. Well, Zach had his own plan of doing it, but it felt like they weren't communicating well together, especially since the. Producers were um, also comic book fans, and they had all these ideas, but they felt like they wanted to communicate with Zach as well. And that's yeah, what I was mean, to say. I
2: mean, it's It's one of those things where it's like you have to put some blame uh, on Zach. It's the equivalent to, like, if you're a rapper and the engineer is, like, crafting music for you, but, like, whoever the singer is, like, her harmonies are all but, like, you still put out that I do then blame some of it on the engineer. Like, you, mm. you're supposed to secure my sound. You should never let that bad harmony slip through uh, into the final product. I think the, the biggest thing was they had gotten everything ready for BVS. They had, they had to rewrite that script. In rewriting that script, a normal person would say, we got to push this movie back so we get this script right. Warner Brothers said, nope, give me what you got, we're going to go with it. And I think they just went what they thought was the best, the, the best story to go with, even though they took four different stories to do it. Um, but I want to hear from you, Mike. What are your thoughts? Who do you put most of the blame on? Do you put it on Warner Brothers or do you put it on Zach for uh, BVS coming up short of achieving their goal of making a successful – uh, not in terms of box office, in terms of quality uh, superhero movies.
6: I'm glad you asked. I think there's plenty of blame to go around. When you're talking about studio interference, though, and my Green Lantern fandom is going to kind of be biased here. Uh, when you create a Justice League without a founding freaking member in Green Lantern, I it shows me you have no idea what you're doing with this property. Uh, i don't think that this one was as bad i mean yeah maybe the edit cutting it down to two and a half hours because if the rumor they wanted to get one more screening in per day to make more money that sounds like a Shuji choosy heart choosy heart i can't say the guy's name yeah that sounds like something do. the guy who wanted Hidihara. yeah the guy who wanted justice league to come out you know hell or high water so he got his bonus uh to me that shows they don't they don't care about damaging the property damaging the brand they feel like the you know the the brand is strong enough on its own to to survive and you know. We still can't get a Green Lantern movie. But we can get Birds of Prey that absolutely zero people I know asked for. Uh, if one of you guys have, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to speak for you there. But there's plenty of studio yeah. interference. Warner <laughs> Brothers is notorious for interfering. And, in fact, off topic here, but the fact that I'm a big Stephen King fan, i got to mention this. What do you want to bet It Chapter 2 was way different because the studio realizes, hey, we got to get our hands in here now because we know this is successful and they're going to fuck it up. All right. So, yes, there's lots of blame to go for for, for Wonder Brother, but Zach made his own bed. No one wanted to see DC, DC, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in, a, in the Watchmen universe. Nobody wanted to see that on screen.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I viewed this movie, and I know some of you guys may kill me for this, but the way you got some of you guys strongly feel about disliking CVS is how I feel about Age of Ultron. I thought that was just horrible. Who likes and Age put, of Ultron? Does anybody defend that movie? Well, I have some people muted besides me and you, but they might okay, be, be yelling at, at, <laughs> at the phone, but um, I, I kind of felt like that was one of the things to where it was like, you have so many prestigious characters here, and you as Josh Whedon, who created one of the greatest superhero movies ever in Avengers, um, completely dropped the ball in Age of Ultron. Like, you had so, like J- James Spader as Ultron is possibly one of the greatest villain castings that failed because you completely butchered um, Ultron. Like how you feel about Green Lantern is how I felt about Ultron because Ultron, uh, Hank Pym creation, that was his child, that was his that sure. was his creation, and for you to to make it start, I understood. But my problem was you shouldn't have mirrored Stark's personality into Ultron. I felt as though James Spader was doing his best Robert Downey Jr. impersonation. And it was just like it did not – I just had a huge issue with that, but I don't want to get into that. Uh, did you have anything else to, to add about that, Mike, uh, before I go to T and, uh, and Ryan?
6: Uh, just the Lex Luthor question you asked earlier. Do we know for a fact that he's not going to show up in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? We
2: don't. Uh, The biggest issue is James Gunn apparently seems like he wants
7: to soft reboot it. Um,
2: So I would say if Will gets recasted, um, which is a possibility for everyone listening out there, I think we could see a future to where Jesse Eisenberg does completely step away from being Lex Luthor um, and they go a different route, especially if you recast Henry Cavill. Like if they can't work things out and he doesn't come back, I do see a future of them recasting Lex. Um, if I'm Jesse Eisenberg, I've already received way too much criticism for a role that I got, but a role that was written for me. Like I acted the role that was written for me. So for everyone to just completely poo poo Jesse Eisenberg, if I'm him, no, I'm like, no, I don't and know I mean if it right.
6: was if it was written that way to be a slow burn with him, I hate that we won't get to see. Now that it feels like at the you know the uh, the stinger for Justice League, if it actually feels like, okay, he's really lex now and we're never going to get to see that i mean i just right. thought that Which, maybe maybe Sui- the suicide squad or you know whatever suicide squad they plan on making before they got james gunn was going to be suicide squad versus you know the the legion of doom or whatever whatever they were trying yeah, to tease I, there at the end of that but
2: I it's do clear believe, they have no
6: idea what they were doing
2: i do believe gavin o'connor see the problem was gavin's script they said was too similar to birds of prey um, which is unfortunate because it's like Gavin O'Connor is really good at action. So the idea that Gavin could have given a dead shot with Will Smith, death stroke with um, uh, guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, Joe Dad Manganiello. Joe Manganiello. Like it seemed like they were trying to bring all those different elements into it. There was also a leaked script of, of saying that um, Black Adam's tomb, was was in the movie. So Gavin looked like he was doing a lot of great out there things um, that are now completely gone and James Gunn's going to give us his vision. Quite like Ben had Raid meets Batman with Batman fighting all his villains throughout Arkham uh, until he faces Deathstroke at the end. That would have been sick. Um, But obviously,
6: i are changing
2: it and we're getting a more detective-led movie rather than Raid meets Batman, which would have been visually sick. Um but I'm you brought a black Adam.
6: Let me let me just finish with this. You have one last thing on the studio. You mentioned Black Adam. How stupid is it that you have The Rock cast into a role, the, the the biggest draw movie star you can think of right now, The Rock, and you don't put him in Shazam. Okay. I'll leave it at that. That tells you where I stand with Warner Bros. <laughs> studios right now.
2: Well what what makes that even worse is that The Rock was casted as Black Adam. I believe he was the like second ten years BCU ago yeah, he was the second or the first DCEU character to be casted. He was around the same time as Henry when he got the Man of Steel role. Um, but yeah, they, they let almost a decade go by before they actually started to to move forward with any traction on Shazam or Black Adam. Travesty, oh, Warner Brothers. Just, Warner Brothers treats DC the same way Paramount or whoever owns Transformers treated that franchise, to where. It just makes us money. We have no concern about the source material or the fan base whatsoever. We're just here to make money. That's obvious what Warner Brothers is doing. But um, let me go over to Tia. Tia, (laughs) after all that, uh, the question goes to you of who do you put more blame on, the studio or Zack Snyder? And uh, do you appreciate Jesse Eisenberg's Lex a lot more knowing Uh, after seeing the end of Justice League, or do you hold the same of not enjoying his portrayal of Lex at all, period?
5: So I'm going to start with Lex Luthor first. You guys know, and I've mentioned it, and I've written articles about it, that if they're going to recast Lex Luthor, I want Corey Stoll to come into the DCEU as uh, Lex Luthor. He's already a bald man, okay, you don't need to shave his head. He's good. You know, he's a good actor. Let's let's get him in. He's older. He's at the right age for Lex Luthor. He's got the build for it. He he can act it. Let's do that. I do not appreciate uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, even after seeing what they're trying to set up. Um, his portrayal in Batman vs. Superman left a bad taste in my mouth. I understand that he was just acting the role that was given to him. But I, I just I I still didn't I still didn't see it. I don't like this whole young version. I mean, listen, I'm twenty eight, right? So I, I don't want to see someone who may be younger than me as Lex Luthor. And I kind of don't want to see someone who's younger than me as Batman for Matt Reeves, uh, the Batman, but that's a different topic for a different day. Uh, as far as who do I put the most blame on, I put it entirely on Ben Affleck. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's all his fault. But um, I don't know. I guess you can kind of go 50-50 with this. I mean, it seems like Zach definitely had more control over Batman versus Superman than he did of Justice League. We know what happened with that. So I think it's equal blame. You had Zach's script. You had how he directed it. You had his vision. But then, of course, you had the studio who wanted to make money and, as we've spoken about numerous times, wanted to put in the three biggest superheroes that the DC has. So I guess equal blame really could go there because Warner Brothers obviously pushed it um to happen quickly. They approved what Zach did, and they pushed it out. So I would say both. I wouldn't put blame necessarily on just one person. I just think, I just think it was a poorly executed movie. Um, talking about it, having become part of GVN, it makes me actually wish that we did get a better movie than what we actually got. So it is disappointing, maybe a few years down the line then they'll kind of soft reboot it with whoever they have as Batman I hope to dear god that Gal stays as Wonder Woman and maybe we can get Henry Cobble back as Superman so that would be really great if they kind of just did another like team-up movie um and just did another story that was better and uh I- I'm gonna kind of throw this out there because Mike was laughing about it in our instant message, but, you know, something that I can actually see next time.
2: Yeah, I mean, funny thing is I I weirdly want them to stay away from team-up movies. Like, even in a solo movie, don't really have team-ups. I want DC to build a healthy track record of really good solo films. Like, Shazam, to me, has to be as good as Aquaman. Like, there is no... DC has taken away all ability to come in under the radar and need to find that acceptable. Everything should be the feel for, the feel of Aquaman, Wonder Woman. Um, it should be in that, in that realm. So Shazam, to me, should be good. Like, really good is what I'm expecting, but it should be good. Um, and we expect Wonder Woman 84, whatever year or decade they decide to actually put it out and not move it. Um, I expect these movies to be really good. You've now shown me that you have the capabilities of doing it with you doing now two movies that are – well, I'm sorry, i say three because I think Man of Steel was was a masterpiece. Um, So to me, three really good origin stories. You now have to continue that um, before I even remotely feel comfortable with you doing a Justice League movie. Uh, especially because there's so many changeable parts that could possibly be coming by the time we get there. So just do what you're doing. Do these solo, non-connected movies and just make them really good and get me comfortable with that first uh, before you even breathe on the idea of Justice League. Um, But all right, Tia, I'm going to go over to Ryan. I feel like it's been like an hour and 30 minutes since I've heard from you, Ryan. Uh, but give me your thoughts. Who are you placing the blame on, and do you feel more comfortable with Jesse Eisenberg's Lex after the events of Justice League, or are you still on board of not enjoying his character at all?
4: So I believe that there's not one specific person to put the blame on. So I'm instantly just going to put 50-50 for half Warner Brothers and half um, Zach Snyder, simply because – one I actually didn't know is Zach Snyder cast in the movie himself, and he did pretty good casting up until Lex Luthor, which seems really fucking odd in my opinion. But anyone's a game at that point. But um, yeah, I, I honestly do believe it's fifty-fifty. Zach Snyder is the director. If he was not passionate about this project, he would have been. Well, I should say, if he was passionate about this project, he wouldn't have let Warner Brothers. Take advantage of it if you guys get what I'm saying. My best example is oh fuck, what was his name? The first director for Ant Man. I well, what was his name? If anyone can uh, remind me, um, um, I have everyone be
2: but just me and you. But um, there, I, I know who you're there, talking about. Uh, okay, Edgar Wright.
4: Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. That's Edgar right. Wright. Yes. So the best example is Edgar Wright. The guy was getting Ant Man. But he was not allowed to do his version. He he wasn't allowed to do the movie he wanted to do. So he fought and he stood for himself and he left the project because the the studio wouldn't let him do what he wanted. And I feel like Zack Snyder, after watching the whole Justice League scandal, it seems like Warner Brothers told Zack Snyder what to did, what to do, and he just obliged to it. He says, "All right, cool, I can do this." He didn't put any of his own ideas into it. He might have given them ideas, but he, he, his like, whole realm, his creativeness, was not in this movie. Because if you guys remember, going back to Justice League, I mean, I really hate bringing up this movie, but when Justice League was coming out, like a week before the movie came out, there was this huge talk, it might have been a few weeks actually, about Warner Brothers not wanting the movies more than two hours. When Justice League could have easily been a two hour and 40 minute movie. And I feel I don't remember necessarily, but I'm pretty sure Batman v Superman was more than two hours, which I find kind of odd. I think it was like around 210, 220 uh, hours and 10 minutes and two hours and 20 minutes, which I find kind of odd that they wanted Justice League to stay in it solely two hours, when I think Justice League had more of a task to do than Batman v Superman did. And they still fucked up Batman v. Superman when it still had more time than Justice League. Um, and I feel like they had this main idea. And that main idea was actually when I texted in the chat, Juwan, to let me come in the conversation about the whole Flash scene. I'm about to go into this whole interview with Kevin Smith that he did with, I think it was a producer on the movies. So what the plan was when they concepted Batman v. Superman was they were going to have Batman v. Superman and then lead into a trilogy of Justice League movies. So before the whole Justice League trilogy got cut, you have Batman v. Superman. And that whole time-traveling scene was uh, a, like a rendition telling you, oh, look, this movie is coming with this scene coming back to this moment. So the idea was have the very first Justice League movie, the one that we got, pretty similar to the whole outline of the movie is pretty similar to what we got, maybe a few changes. Um, I think the biggest change to the first Justice League movie, the one that we did get, was if anyone remembers in the trailer, Alfred was saying, oh, we've been waiting on you, or we've been expecting you. Everyone was saying how it was Green Lantern, and during the movie, it was really Superman. The producer said that it was intentionally Green Lantern, but Warner Brothers didn't want to use him for some odd reason. It makes absolutely no sense how they wanted to make a Justice League movie without one of the founding seven. It mind boggles me. So they had to switch it up, because when they filmed that team, they actually shined a green light on Alfred to film it, hinting that it was, a Lan- it was a Green Lantern. Now, we don't know which one it was, but it was definitely a Green Lantern court member. And then they completely switched it out with Henry Camille Superman, which was a big bummer. So... The studio definitely pushed more on that, and so we go into the second movie, where at the end of this, the first Justice League movie, um, Stephen Wolf goes into a big tube like he does. But when he goes into the tube, you see a hint of Darkseid, like his face appears, and Darkseid realizes that the Justice League have beaten Stephen Wolf. So that leads into the sequel, the second Justice League movie, which sees the members. And I'm pretty sure Green Lantern in this movie, they had a plan for, was them going into space to fight Darkseid head-on, to bring the fight to him instead of him bringing the fight to them. They wanted a head start, but the ending of that movie would see them losing and coming back to a planet that Darkseid destroyed, which would eventually lead, lead into the third Justice League movie, which would contain a scene that was seen in Batman v Superman, which was the nightmare scene. That scene you saw in Batman v Superman was intentionally supposed to be in the third Justice League movie. That's how the outline's had. And that whole Flash scene in Batman v Superman was supposed to be from that third movie, too. And then, obviously, the third movie would end with them beating Darkseid and the planet would come back to normal. Yada, 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 and all that bullshit. And it just shows how much the studio had an effect on these movies because they cut Green Lantern from the first Justice League movie, but they didn't at the same time, which is kind of like, what the fuck? How are you going to give us the Green Lantern Corp as a whole but not give us this one specific character that is a founding member of this team? It makes absolutely no sense. And Zack Snyder did want this character in the movie, but I feel like he just didn't fight with it because he knew he'd get fired if he didn't do what Warner Brothers said. So I'm not going to call him scummy. I'm just going to say that he definitely prioritized making a profit more than making a project that he was more passionate about. And I feel like when you come to movies like Justice League or Avengers, you need to bring on someone that is passionate with the project. And not specifically like whatever the movie is, but with like comic books and you know and has a general understanding of the audience, but then uh, you can argue that he has made a pretty decent comic book movie with Watchmen, and it, it, it's 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 frustrating, really. And with the whole Lex Luthor thing, it makes no sense. I hate Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, but I love him as an actor. Um, I don't remember who said this before. I think it was say with somebody. But um, this is the biggest miscast that anyone can do. I I don't know what they saw in Lex Luthor, in Jesse Eisenberg, I mean. It makes no sense. And, like, Juan, you made the argument before with Doomsday and Jesse Eisenberg's character, Lex Luthor, was the Doomsday we saw was a second rendition of Doomsday. He was a mix of a guy in the first Doomsday. And then Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor was the son of the original Lex Luthor. Like, what purpose does it have to introduce a second version of a character when you have never even introduced the first character, the first version? Well, so well his, of...
2: point, his, his point was it was with Lex, his dad had died. So he had wanted everyone, it, it seems, again, I don't want to speak for him, it seems like he was trying to say, I want everyone to get behind the fact that Jesse is going to be your Lex. So I want you to realize his dad died. He is the son. He is how I am envisioning uh, his Lex Luthor to be. Again, I think it was a journey. I think a lot of us are still uh, so, I don't want to say obsessed, but are so convinced on the first time we saw him that we can't see anything else uh, until we get another uh, movie where we could see more of Lex. Um, but, what I was trying to say is the transformation that they made. Like even just when you see him being, his hair being all cut off, you could see him morphing into Lex Luthor. Um, He's just not going to be the most comic accurate version of Lex Luthor. In Doomsday, I appreciated that because I didn't know any other way you could go along the lines of where that story was, that you could explain the original Doomsday. Like if you went by the death of Superman comic of he came from space or, or whatever or Lex found him, like you just it wouldn't have seemed natural. Even though a lot of that movie just didn't seem natural. I think you bonding Zod with the 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 blood or whatever of, of uh of a doomsday and creating your own was a more logical way to go. Again, if he had looked more accurate you guys wouldn't have had an issue with it. That's why I said the biggest issue with BVS was execution. If you execute all these issues that you guys have, well, except for and not liking Ben, but <laughs> outside of that, if you execute everything else, a lot of these issues you guys have wouldn't be there. That's why I said it comes down to execution, and that's why I put a little bit of it more so on that because he had control of the final product. Yes, did Warner Brothers mix up their their hands? Sure, um, but they did. He did create this story uh, along with his writer, so I can't, you know, have him. That's why the 50, 50. A lot. See, it's only fifty fifty to me when it comes to Justice League because we clearly know Warner Brothers and Josh Whedon had a lot to do with what that movie came out to look like, but CVS that was Zach's
4: baby. That was Zack. That was Zack. It being it being uh, skimmed out no, no, by no. the way. Man of go ahead, Steel Zach. was Zach's baby. That Zach, Man of Steel was Zach's baby. And then Warner Brothers saw the backlash that he got from having Superman destroy a city and they wanted to dial themselves so in more. That's what I see when it comes to Man of Steel from Batman v Superman. And then Warner Brothers just took control. They they are the AI now when it comes to Justice League. So each movie slowly got away from Zack Snyder, I feel like. Well, the, the biggest thing
2: is the reason why Marvel is that it does is the guy, the guy that kind of puts everything into motion loves the source material, and it shows through, through his movies. Warner Brothers does not have a lead guy who is passionate about these characters that can go in and go, Nope, that story is not good. No, let's, let's, let's get another one. They just have guys who are money makers. So their only, their only mentality is, how can I make money? So that's why you were asking, what was the time limit on Justice League? Justice League was exactly two hours, exactly two hours. And they wanted it that way. And it was the weirdest thing I had ever seen in my life. Like, you had so much more time to play with to make this movie better. Um, and you stuck to an exact time. So I believe it was two hours. Exactly two hours. But to me, I, I have to put some of the blame on Zach
4: for BVS. Not for Justice League. Because we all know this, the stuff around Justice League. But Justice again, League was all Warner Brothers. I, I still say all Warner Brothers for Justice League.
2: You can say that. You can say that, yeah. But remember, Zach did have a portion of that movie already done. Oh, yeah. Um, before they yeah. came in. So it all depends on what what part are you blaming? Because you don't know exactly what parts were his, what parts weren't. Um, I mean, you could maybe go off of visually, but you don't exactly know what were his, what
4: weren't his. I'm going to go based off the fact that they completely got, they got a completely opposite writer from him. They got a fantastic writer, but they don't have the writer that's like Zack Snyder. Because they got Joss Whedon and then they had Zack Snyder colliding. Zack Snyder is more of a grim, dark, very serious type of guy. Meanwhile, Zach, or not Zach Whedon, Josh Whedon <laughs> is more of a comedic, lighthearted type of guy. And they, they knew they got a guy because of his Avengers success. That is the only reason why they got him, is the reason that I believe. And I feel like this Justice League really showed it. Because there would be super serious moments, and then you have Aquaman sitting on the lasso of truth, 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 confessing how much he wants to have sex with one Woman or how attractive he finds her or how he thinks they're all going to die. Funny scene, don't get me wrong, but it's just like, how do we get from this to this? And I I don't know, man. I blame the brothers for Justice League. And I blame 50-50 for Batman v Superman.
2: Fair enough. Let me go over to Tia. Tia, I got you on. Uh, go ahead and uh, say, say your piece. Tia? Hello, Tia? Uh, yeah,
5: I'm I, sorry. sorry. I was, okay, I was muted on my end. My bad. Um, double, <laughs> okay. double muted. Um <laughs> but it, it, it's not so much my piece. It's just a question um, because I feel like you guys would know, and I don't want to spend too much time on it based on the time we have. But c- clear this up for me. Didn't Zach walk away because he had his personal issues with, you know, what happened to his family and what happened to his daughter? I was always under the impression that he walked away because of that and everyone kind of says that, no, he was pushed away. I was like, but I thought like he walked away because, you know, it was a tragedy what happened to his daughter, and he couldn't, you know, concentrate on the movie
2: anymore. Well, the, the biggest thing is Zach did, did walk away. But the thing is Warner Brothers didn't want him to pass just the um, They actually took that unfortunate uh, uh, circumstance to use it to, once he was out, completely keep him out. Um, going forward, they were done with Zach uh, after after Justice League. That's what it seems like they wanted was to be completely done with him. Um, but the funny thing is, you can't be done with Zach because he still has producing rights. Like as long as these actors portray these characters, he'll he'll always have producing rights. That's why you always see executive producer Zack Snyder, even though he probably had very little to do with the movie, um, because these are his character. Well, his actors, not his characters, he didn't create the characters, even though Snyder called would have you think that he that he did um he selected these these actors, so he'll always have a little bit of- uh producing rights um but yeah he he decided to leave he wasn't thrown out uh of of finishing up this film. it was more so Zach needed to step away to be to be with his family, although you did have a lot of people saying that. Warner Brothers asked him, should we put the film on hold um, while you deal with this? And Zach went, if you can find someone to to come in and finish it, finish it. Um, I don't know if I believe that. I really don't. One, because I doubt the studio, after starting the filming and, and putting money into the production, would go, we'll wait. And I also don't really believe, I mean, maybe Zach was saying he didn't know how much time he would need. So it's like, well, don't hold off because of me i just i i don't know if you hear how passionate zach is today about what he wanted it's really hard for me to believe that he would have said hey no 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 no. go ahead continue it finish it how you guys want to finish it and you know whatever you guys do with it i'm cool with it um so who knows it's like one of those things we'll need like a 30 for 30 with zach snyder like when it's all said and done for him to come out give like a huge story about what actually happened and everything like that Um, because you don't know. But I do believe Warner Brothers did not want to pursue him past uh, Justice League, and that's just what I feel. It's not what I know. Um, So he did ask to leave, though, to to answer your question. Um, Okay. Wow. This wasn't as – I don't want to say venomous. This wasn't as brutal as I thought it would be. Uh, I'm really (laughs) glad – We all got uh, our opinions out. We all heard each other. Uh, (laughs) We will never fully agree when it comes to this movie, Uh, but I love that. I I I love that I got a chance to talk with all you guys. Uh, I got a chance to get all you guys on one show. That was, I think, the most fun of of doing this. I will say next week, especially, Mike, if you continue with what it seems like your take is for The Last Jedi. Next week is definitely going to be
4: super. Bro, next week's going to be crazy.
2: <laughs> it's going to be so much fun to, uh, to go back and forth about that, uh, about The Last Jedi. But I, as we've done this, we've now probably stacked up a lot of movies that we could do. Justice League, Age of Ultron, uh, Attack of the Clones, Revenge, uh, Revenge of, of the Sith. Like so many movies we could go over. Um, I want to individually thank each and every one of you. I want to thank you, AJ, Ryan, Tia, Corey, joining our podcast for the first time ever. And, of course, Mike, I want to thank you all for um, joining us for this first episode of Geeks Against the Grain. This is going to be one of my most favorite uh, shows to do. Um, it will result in it will result in headaches I can almost guarantee you that uh, especially if we keep picking movies that we're definitely split on uh, <laughs> it will result in can I give headaches. him a
6: little preview before you sign off
2: oh absolutely I was actually going to go to you and Tia because uh, Tia has uh, a little top preview 10 coming
6: stage. up do you want um, a little Tia, preview for the, the last first. Jedi episode just uh, next time you, uh, you take a number two look at it before you flush it that's going to be the last Jedi episode
4: <laughs> so yeah, i will go to you to plug
2: uh, top 10 for this weekend
5: this top 10 we are doing the top 10 favorite moments from american gods season one in preparation for the second season coming out on march 10th please tune in on sunday at 10 a.m if you'd like to listen to it live i'm going to have a couple of the people who are on this show on it and it is always a fun time
2: Absolutely, so make sure you guys check out. Trust me, you are going to want to make sure you're caught up so you do not miss season two. Um, Mike, plug us for for your podcast, man.
6: Uh, Every week we do Geek Media Core, which is kind of like uh, the Geek Vibe Live here. We uh, we go through everything that was big during the week and discuss it. Me and Danny have been doing it for about two years now, and uh, I guess we're now on the iTunes feed for uh, GVM. We're also on our own iTunes feed. Just search for Geek Media Core C-O-R-P-S, like Green Lantern Corps.
2: Yeah, or just go to uh, Geek vibe or GVN, uh, well, GV Nation. Sorry, I don't know why I always get that wrong. GVNation.com, <laughs> and you will see uh, Mike's podcast on the homepage. Scroll all the way down to where we have our podcast, and you'll see it there. If that's easier for you, in case you do not have uh, – I guess an Apple phone to download iTunes or podcasts. Yeah, we're on Android
5: also. We're on Android, sound oh, files, and play all that stuff.
2: Oh, perfect. And there you go. Um, and guys, yeah, go to the website.
4: Usual,
2: yeah, you go to the website. You can find it there on Blog Talk. Blog Talk is a way to listen to it without having Android or Apple or whatever. Um, also, do not forget, Geek Vibes Live will be uh, this uh, obviously Sunday. At 8, we will post it up. I'm supposed to post it at 8 on Sundays. I usually post it later or earlier. It depends. Just look for it around Sunday at 8. But we have Dane back. Dane wasn't with us uh, on the episode last week, but he's back. We have so much to discuss. We had so many trailers. We had so much DC news, Marvel news. Kevin Feige has a whole slate that he's going to be giving us that could be up to six years worth of movies. Um, so stay tuned for that. We have so much uh, to, to go over. Um, and then as you guys know, stay tuned next week for Full Court Press with Nick and Wrestling Geeks Alliance with Jane. That is all I got. I want to thank you guys one more time for for joining me for this episode and the audience for listening to it. And I cannot wait for The Last Jedi next Friday night. But till then, cheers. yeah, boy. <laughs> That's why I suck. Have
5: a, have a good night,
1: everyone. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.